You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. This is Sacks in the Basement, brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They're veteran-owned, they're female-owned, they're family-owned, and they're great people on the south side of Chicago. They give a portion of the proceeds to every veteran and first responder group you can think of. In fact, every every job they do, they give a portion of the proceeds to those organizations. They're covering northern Illinois, northwest Indiana, family-run business, Southsiders, Sacks fans. Big proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement, and they've got Socks in the Basement deals. Make sure you check them out at FAMWS.com. My friend Dave, not at my nine-foot homemade oak bar because COVID, rioting, uh, the craziness of life, giant thunderstorms yesterday, and things got really complicated for you, my friend, and I completely understand. Uh, you got a, a mom in a nursing home. You had to do appointments today, and because of all of this, uh, you were unable to sit down here with me. I'm sorry. It was all, it was, it was, dude, it was all over the place. I mean, so for those of you who are listening to us outside of the city of Chicago, uh, or even just the, you know, the Midwest. We had what? What, are, what does it call a drecolo? What? What? Wind? I don't know. I, I thought that was a made-up word. Yeah, I, I was like, okay, but yeah, no, we got we got nailed with um, thunderstorms, hundred mile an hour winds, golf ball sized hail, you, you name it. Just a, there's trees down all over my neighborhood. Pretty much all of my neighbors, except for me, have power outages. So yeah, stuff was stuff was nuts. So I'm sorry I can't be here. You've got a lot to talk about today, my friend. I have a few things to talk about myself, um, so have attitude. All right, I appreciate it. Now, before I jump into it, and and before I take a few shots at some people that are running the White Sox right now, and even though they won on Tuesday night and they're back to five hundred at nine and nine, they should be doing so much better right now. Before I sit down and explain to you why. It really doesn't matter about Luis Robert and how he's doing against sliders. He's actually a better leadoff hitter than Tim Anderson, or they're at least even, but Robert benefits from being in the one hole, and there's numbers that back it up. There's so much I want to get into today. I want to make a quick announcement, Dave. We are going to be live and in person. I got a prize wheel. I'm giving away $50 Visa gift cards. I'm giving away socks in the basement trucker hats, those beautiful hats that we ran out of last time we made them. Koozies, bottle opener keychains. We're going to be partying. We're watching socks, Cubs. We're going to be doing it at Jack's Place out in Chicago Ridge on the 22nd. That is a Saturday. It is currently a night game. We'll be doing pregame live on this show. Details coming up next week on how you can listen live as we'll be kicking off a new live segment every Saturday that I'll be hosting where people can jump on and talk about the team. And we're going to be kicking it off at Jack's Place next Saturday. Not the one coming up, but on the 22nd. They've got gaming there. They've got flat screens. They've got uh, food. They've got pizza. they got beers. They're open till 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. They're open 11 a.m. every Tuesday through Sunday. And they are going to be hosting us live 
out there at Jack's Place, 7000 West Southwest Highway in Chicago Ridge on the 22nd. There's indoor seating, but I have been told the parking lot will be opened up as well and will be set up outside in a big tent. You won't be able to miss us. Come by and see us, Sox Cubs at Jack's Place on the south side. All right, here we go. Let's get into this. I sat down and did some homework this week, and I just want everybody to bear with me here. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. The White Sox are screwing up their lineup. And this is not some frivolous thing. This is not somebody who's just questioning everything, no matter what, that just hates White Sox lineups. Ricky Renteria told us in front of Rick Hahn, in front of a crowd, that he makes the lineups. And Rick Hahn did not dispute him. If Ricky Renteria is making the lineups, I'm blaming Ricky Renteria. Now, if Rick Hahn is making the lineups, as he said on the MLB Network, maybe about six months before that conversation with Renteria, that Dave was sitting there when I asked the question, If Han is making them, then it's Han's fault. If it's a consortium, they all should be in trouble for this. Because what they went out and did is they got all these amazing pieces to put together a great team, and they're misusing the pieces. It's like having all the ingredients and then screwing up when to put the ingredients in. It's like making beer and adding hops before or after the yeast in the wrong order. That's what they're doing right now. I sat down and I looked at OPS. Okay, now I was trying to explain this to my father today when I was making the point on the phone, so don't be worried if you don't know what an OPS is. It it is the on-base percentage of a player plus their slugging percentage. So basically on-base percentage takes into account hits and walks, and slugging percentage gives more points for doubles, then gives even more points for triples, and even more points for home runs. If you have a high slugging percentage, you're a good hitter. In short, the OPS tells you, you should really be looking at OPS as far as how productive of an offensive player you're looking at okay because that's really i think the tell-all that's what that's what most people who study metrics are looking at now they're not looking at the average they're not looking at the on-base percentage it's it's all about the ops so this is a very important metric that we're talking about here so the easiest way to explain this metric to somebody trying to figure out what's good and what's bad if you're about 750 or higher, you're a Major League Baseball player who's productive in your lineup in some way. If you're over 800, you're a pretty good ball player. You're you're a good ball player. You belong in a lineup that's uh, that's got a good offense. You're no slouch. If you're in the 900s, you're a star. And if you're over 1,000, you're a superstar. That's the easiest way to put it. Another way that people measure it is they go by OPS+, plus, which basically is another way of looking at OPS, where 100 is is even. It's like the exact level of average. It is the average amount of OPS across the entire league amongst all baseball players. Average is 100. If you're under 100, you suck. And if you're over 100, you're good. Just for, just for comparison, I called, up, I called up Mike Trout's uh, baseball reference. Mike Trout has a 2020 OPS of 1.124, uh, a career OPS of 1.001. So, so that is, that is a stud. That is the best player in the game right now for comparison, just so you can kind of get an idea about how the number works, like what a great OPS looks like. So what I did is I sat down and looked at last year's OPSs for every player that I think matters in the White Sox lineup or in the conversation. As of this moment, I didn't include Nick Madrigal but I because he was in the minors. I used Luis Roberts so far this year, the small sample size, and everybody else was there 2019. And before you say, well, Chris, I mean, what about their career? 
all these guys, you can look at it. I mean, it would take me three hours to explain this and go through each and every guy, but guys decline. Abreu's been declining over the last couple of years. Guys decline. Their most recent year is probably the best way to look at this. There were no real mitigating circumstances where you're like, well, that guy was hurt or that guy had this problem he dealt with all year long. No, no, this is pretty much what these guys are. So I looked at left-handed OPS and right-handed OPS, all right? Left-handed. The best player on the Chicago White Sox, they have a superstar. They have a Mike Trout against left-handed pitching. His name is Jose Abreu. He's got a 1,009, 1.009 OPS, and his OPS plus, remember, 100 means your average is a 162, all right? The next two guys closest to them are Grandal and Encarnacion, two brand-new players of his team. Against lefties, Encarnacion is a 969, and Grandal's a 926. Their OPS plus is in the 140s. After that, you got a group of guys against lefties in the 800s. These are good players. Moncada's got an 846. McCann's got an 864. Anderson's got an 844. And guess what? Adam Engel's got an 842. In fact, Jimenez has only got a 781 and Garcia with a 786. Garcia, Jimenez, and Luis Robert with his 733 OPS all have an OPS plus right around 100. Okay, Robert's a 104, Jimenez is a 102, Garcia's a 105. They're basically average OPS players. Now, I believe that Robert and Jimenez will improve. That's pretty much what Garcia's going to be. We can debate that for hours, but those are the numbers. That's what sits there. Now, to give you an idea about two other players that I put on the list when I was doing comparisons, uh, Nomar Mazzara, there's a reason he doesn't go up against lefties because he's got a 66 OPS plus, well below 100, and a 646 OPS against lefties. That's why he doesn't hit against them. And Zach Collins, he's got a 376 OPS against lefties, and his OPS plus was four. That's why you'll never see him hit against a lefty. All right, those are the guys, and those are their left-handed OPSs. So very simply, then what I did is I looked at those, and I said, well, who are the best players one through seven hitting against left-handed pitching? And I'm going to list them one through seven. Abreu, Encarnacion, Grandal, McCann, Mancada, Anderson, Engel. Now, that's crazy that Adam Engel's number seven on the entire team against lefties. But there's a reason why he's against lefties and Mazzara's against righties. They made a player with these two guys. We've been saying we've been saying that ever since the Mazzara acquisition. It's it's got to be Mazzara against righties, Engel against lefties. So now the problem here is that Abreu, Encarnacion, Grandal, and McCann are the top four, and there's only three spots for them in the lineup every day. If you you got a catcher, a first baseman, and a DH spot, and you got four guys that fit into those three spots. So unfortunately, McCann becomes useless. He can fill in every once in a while if a guy is hurt or whether or not a guy needs rest, but your optimal lineup would have James McCann on the bench and he's your fourth highest OPS against lefties, but there's no spot for him. Now, looking at your suggested lineup based upon this, it'd be very easy to sit there and say then that I want Tim Anderson leading off. Makes perfect sense. Yasmani Grandal could hit second with his 926 OPS. Jose Abreu with that over 1,001 bats third. Encarnacion comes out there with his 969 and bats fourth. Mancada then sits there with his 846 batting fifth. Angle, you could put him sixth with his 842, or you could put Jimenez there because I got Jimenez sitting at seventh, but I'm going by the numbers. So you could argue that you want to put Angle and then Jimenez. I wouldn't do it, but you could argue it. Luis Robert would bat eighth, and Garcia would bat ninth. That would be your lineup against lefties. And you know what? That's not that far off from things that the White Sox are doing now. Sure, they got Grandal and Mancada, flip-flop, let's say, and Encarnacion's out, but when he comes back, those guys are all sitting there in your top five in, in the order that Ricky's got him. I got no problem with that. 
You got a guy one spot higher, one spot lower. I have no problem with it. In fact, your lineups right now are very, very close to this. You got a Brayu and Grandal in the middle of your lineup. You got Moncada batting second. Anderson's back. You're putting him up at the top of the order. It makes perfect sense. The problem is this. You have only faced two left-handed starting pitchers through your first 18 games. You have won both those games very convincingly. The one last night was one of them. Otherwise, you have faced all right-handed pitching. So now let's look at this team and right-handed OPS. You have a massive disconnect. There is nobody over 1,000. We don't have a superstar against right-handed pitching. It's a shame. The best guy we have is Yohan Moncada with a 945 OPS against righties, a 149 OPS+. plus. That would be good enough to be basically second against lefties in the same thing that we just did. That's our best righty, okay? The next closest guy, the next best guy is Tim Anderson. He's got an 874 OPS. He's got a 131 OPS+. plus. Those are your best two hitters against righties. Other guys that are in the 800s include Aloy Jimenez with an 847 OPS. Yasmani Grandal's got an 813, but his OPS plus is at 110. It's not that far above 100. And Carnacion's got an 842 with a 121 OPS plus. Nomar Mazzara with the 844 and a 123 OPS plus. Look at the difference between a righty pitcher and a lefty pitcher with the left-handed hitting Nomar Mazzara. And Luis Robert, in this very small sample size, has an 823 OPS with a 133 OPS plus when he goes up against right-handed pitching. There are two guys that are below 100 on OPS plus, Adam Engel and Garcia. But that's okay because Nick Mandrigal will eventually be your everyday starter, and we don't know exactly how that's all going to work out. But now here are two guys, or actually three guys, that all are basically the same player. Here they are. Zach Collins has a 751 OPS against righties. Like I said, 750 to about 800, you're, you're a major league ball player. He's got exactly a 100 OPS plus. That's the average. James McCann has a 759 OPS with a 100 even OPS plus. Jose Abreu has a 772 OPS with a 102 OPS plus. In fact, Jose Abreu goes from being an absolute superstar against left-handed pitching to becoming a middling average hitter. So if we sit down and we look at right-handed pitchers and what the order should be, let, well, let's first look at the top seven guys. Top seven guys in OPS and OPS plus, Mancada, Anderson, Robert, Jimenez comes in fourth, Mazzara's fifth, Encarnacion is sixth, and Grandal's actually seventh. Abreu doesn't even make the top seven list. So if you sat down now and you said you want your best hitter hitting in the three spot, it would be Yohan Mancada. If you wanted to sit down and say, okay, who's the best guy to put in leadoff, you could actually make the argument to put Robert in front of Anderson or flip-flop him, but they're your one-two punch with Mancada batting third. Aloy Jimenez would make perfect sense based upon his numbers being your four-hitter, and Nomar Mazzara would be your fifth, with Encarnacion being your six-hitter. Your seven, eight, and nine would be Grandal, Abreu, and Garcia. The point that I'm making here is that even though Ricky Renteria over the last week, when we started the slump, thought that the solution was to take Grandal and Abreu and flip them from being 3-4 to 4-3, he just switched the two of them from being the three and the four-hitter to the other way around. There's a reason why it didn't work. It didn't work because neither one of them belong in the top half of your lineup. And the numbers show it. These aren't numbers that are picked out of the sky. This isn't a small sample size. This is all of 2019. And if you look at Jose Abreu right now and you look over his career, his OPS against righties has been steadily falling 
each and every year. In fact, he hasn't been good against right-handed pitching now for several years. He's been an average hitter, and yet he is trotted out in the center of your lineup each and every day. They don't belong in that spot in the order versus right-handed pitching, to make that, to make that clear. Okay, now, it is a bit of an anomaly to me that at this point of the year, we've only faced it's been like we're 20 games in or whatever it is, and we've only faced two left-handed pitchers. Dave, do you think it's an anomaly, or do you think that the two biggest competitors that we have in the American League Central in a 60-game schedule set it up that way? Because the Twins and the Indians have yet to send a lefty starter against us. They're not stupid. They can look it up just like me. So I, would you send a lefty out there against the White Sox? I wouldn't. If Ricky Renteria is going to send out that lineup against righties, I'd pitch any righty I could get my hands on. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right about that. I mean, I didn't even think about the fact that if you're just some guy sitting at your nine-foot nine homemade oak bar and you can see these statistics, baseball teams like the Twins and the Indians who actually make it a point to study Sabre metrics, yeah, they're going to see this. So, okay. Fine, I stand corrected. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't an anomaly that you've only seen two left-handed pitchers. But no, you're right. The lineup, the lineup is all wrong. Joining me on the phone line, third straight week. It's becoming a regular segment for crying out loud. My sack summer, one of the three drunk <laughs> uncles. On White Sox Twitter, the the godfathers of White Sox Twitter, the guys that run it, the kings of White Sox Twitter, and pretty much everything runs through the 108, hashtag 108-ing, and he comes on again to have another irrational White Sox argument with me. And last week was much more fun because we had won a bunch of games. This week, it's it's a miserable time to have an irrational White Sox argument, but maybe we'll have a really irrational one right now. (laughs) We, We will see, right? That's what we're supposed to do. That's the segment. Here we go. Here's my (laughs) irrational White Sox argument. Based upon the fact this team is streaky, can't get the injury bug off their backs, and already is thin when it comes to starting pitching, it's already time to start looking for trade partners for Edwin Encarnacion and James McCann because it ain't happening this year. Man, I'll tell you what. I, I, I think you have to think about it. Um, I don't know if we need an Edwin Carcion. I, I don't think we need uh, James McCann. But if they're like James McCann right now is a luxury piece, so it's possible that maybe it is time to look at the, the trade trade value. But I I'm not ready to chalk it up yet because we haven't had 100 percent healthy guys yet. So if Timmy gets back and we're still getting our ass kicked by the Tigers, then let's set everybody. Another rational argument for you: the White Sox are too afraid to move on from their manager and we are going to suffer for multiple years before somebody admits that maybe, just maybe, Ricky Renteria can't go outside the box and use guys in different ways when they're in slumps. Man, I'm going to disagree with you. We're going to have an argument because I think that the Sox, after this year, will take a long look at Ricky Renteria and what they have done this year in a shortened year. I don't think it makes sense this year to fire a manager. I don't. I. I, I don't think that that makes a, a difference. I think they will take a look at what he has done in his performance this year, 
in if he's actually making the lineup. We'll see if that's actually true too. But they will go out and find somebody if 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 it's if it's really bad. I think I think they will hold him responsible. I think we are looking at a new wave sock. We did not think they would sign uh, a Grandal. They did. We did not think they would do a lot of the moves they did this offseason. They did. So I think they're they're getting to that point where they're like gonna have to call it. They're gonna have to do it. One more irrational White Sox argument, and you know what? I don't even know if it's an argument. I'm just gonna make an irrational just prediction. You tell me if okay. it makes any sense whatsoever. Before this season is over, Dallas Keuchel calls out his own manager. <laughs> that is why I picked you as an underboss, sir. Because if there's somebody's gonna do it, right? He seems to have the balls to come out and actually say it and do it. He called out his players, and I think he did it in a very nice way last night. But I, I think he could potentially, potentially say, this is not the guy. I don't think this is the guy. Or just something like, who's making these lineups? Can we get some runs when I'm out on the mound? Like something like that. Right. I mean, he basically said it. And, that, and, and I'll tell you what, Chris, last night was the first night – I didn't see the game, but I heard a lot. But I, it was the first time it made me question, hey, if our team was 100% healthy, this would be, I would say, Ricky Renneria is in, is in big-time trouble right now. Because if he can't get his team motivated to beat a bottom-feeder team in the AL Central, he can't. I mean, how, how is he going to get them motivated to beat the big team? I don't know. I, I just don't see it. Two irrational White Sox fans, actually very rational White Sox fans, being as irrational as possible. And it's funny how every once in a while we'll say something to each other and it starts to make just a little bit of sense. It's crazy that way. My Sox Summer, I appreciate you coming on the show. Make sure you guys check out the 108. They got a podcast. They sell all kinds of crazy stuff online, too. We do. I mean, these guys are merchandise <laughs> sellers. I mean, I got I got to get them working on some side. We're going to have to sit down and talk. I got to figure out how you guys do what you do. <laughs> yes, 100%. You need a you need a socks in the basement set of baseball cards. We, we should do that. <laughs> oh, man, now you're giving me ideas. We will talk soon, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for allowing me on your program yet once again. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park and New Lenox a work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, with a sister store available to you at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So now let's take a look. And I, I also sent you this. I came up with something called the Ricky Rick Factor. And the Ricky Rick factor is to try to examine, did Ricky Renteria as the manager or Rick Hahn as the general manager have an effect on the outcome of a game that we've played so far? All right. Now, the whole, I, I sat down and I looked at what we had for what they should be doing for their lineup. 
what the numbers told you before you even walked in to start the season, how you should have constructed your lineup. And I'm putting lineup decisions and in-game decisions on Ricky Renteria. I'm putting decisions yeah. on who is on the roster and available on Rick Hahn. Now, I just want to run it down. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to make this really quick, but let's just go through it so far in this game. Opening day, they lose 10 to 5. The lineup anomaly is Abreu in the three spot against a righty. Garcia has a bunch of errors because Nick Mandrigal is not available. People will say, well, Lucas Giolito gave up all those runs, but it would have been a one-run first inning. I suggest it's possible Rick Hahn could have lost you game one. You might disagree. Let's see where we're at at the end with these numbers. Game two, you win 10-3. to They lose 14-2 to the next day with Abreu hitting third and Delmonico second. I could blame that on Ricky, but I'm not going to do it because both your pitchers sucked. No, we no, no, no. We you see, we've talked about that. That should not have been Lopez's start. That should not have been Lopez's start. You were you. I I ranted and raved about that two shows ago. I'm good. We're done. I'm moving on. I I put that on the fact that you do you should not have Lopez starting that rubber game against the biggest division rival you have. That should not be a Lopez start. But anyway, go ahead. I didn't I didn't blame anybody for it. Okay, they get a day off and then they have two. In a doubleheader against Cleveland. I'm sure everybody remembers this. They lose four to three and then five to three. Lineup anomalies from Ricky. Abreu bats third, Delmonico sixth, and then Abreu bats third, Delmonico fourth, McCann and Collins play over Grandal. Now, both of those are lineup mistakes. I want to mention something. Up to this point, the reason that you even have Nicky Delmonico in there to begin with, it's a residual effect from not having Nick Madrigal at second base because you had to put Leury Garcia there. Right, because you could have had Garcia playing right. At this point, they're one and four. Delmonico has played every game thus far because you're because you have to have Garcia at second because you're too stubborn to bring Nick Madrigal up for opening day. I agree with you. And through all of that, I have blamed uh, Rick Hahn only for one loss. And it sounds like you could probably blame him for more if you took that way. I'm just blaming him for one loss so far. Now you go on a win streak. Uh, from the 29th through the 4th of August, you win six games. During these six games, you are continuously making lineup mistakes. Abreu's batting third, Grandal's third, Abreu's fourth. Ricky Renteria, I give him credit for a win on the 3rd of August. Six to four victory. Against a left-handed pitcher, I wouldn't normally give him credit for it because he just basically ran a lineup out that I just showed you you should be using against lefties. He just uses it against righties and lefties. But he made great in-game decisions. We talked about it last show. I'm giving him credit for that one. Then, on the fifth, you take a loss one nothing. I put that on Ricky Renteria when you got Abreu hitting third and Grandal fourth against a right-handed pitcher. If you don't score any runs, you made a bad lineup that day. I'm, 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 blaming, the, I'm blaming Renteria on that one. Okay. Yeah. You continue to lose games. You lose eight to three with uh, with Abreu hitting third and Grandal fourth. You win a game two nothing with Abreu hitting third because Cease gets out there and, and has gets out of some jams, but the offense struggles again. The offense continues to struggle. You lose seven to one on the eighth. I remember that game. Right. I remember that game. Cease then, was a stud that game. Right. Exactly. And 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 now here's the thing: the game you lose on Saturday, just this past Saturday, seven to one. It was a terrible use of the opener. You kept Dane Dunning down. Your your lineup was subpar. I blame both Ricks. I gave them each a half a game that they both cost us. All right? It, you lose in 10 innings the next night with a bad lineup with Grandal third, Abreu fourth, and Robert down the seven hole. 
And and just in case you don't understand why I think Roberts shouldn't be down there, Luis Roberts hitting 357 with a 990 OPS in the one spot. And when he's down in the seven hole, he's hitting 296 with a 766 OPS. When he's got protection, he hits. And I'm sick of listening to these excuses to why he can't be up in the one hole. This is just a stubborn manager that won't move guys around because they were with him before the team got good in the bad years. And that's why Abreu's hitting third and he won't even consider putting Robert in the one spot. There's no real logic behind it. Now, you're going to play on the 10th. You lose 5-1. to one. This is the game where Dallas Keiko calls out his entire team. I'm not putting it on the manager. You could. He could have been calling out his manager. Another another game where your lineup's all screwed up against the righty. And then you finally win last night 8-4 to four against the lefty pitcher. Let me just break this down real quick in case that was confusing for you. I've got three and a half losses on Ricky Renteria right now. He was the reason for a win and the reason for four and a half losses. I've got Rick Hahn's decision-making and holding uh, Madrigal down and not bringing up Dunning on Saturday, costing you a game and a half. What, I, what I'm putting on White Sox management right now, I'm putting five games on White Sox management. They're nine and nine. They could be 14 and four right now if I'm right about that. And if I'm only half right about it, if I'm only half right about it, they're, they're 12 and six. They're still first place in the division. If I'm half right about what I've said about the lineups. If I'm half right about the bad decision-making, if I'm half right about the fact that Madrigal being held down caused you problems because you had to throw Delmonico into the lineup instead of Garcia out in right field and Madrigal playing second base, if I'm half right about the fact that the lineup is making all the distance, if I'm only half right about this, you're 12-6 and six instead of 9-9, nine and nine, and you've won games against your division rivals. Somebody needs to be held accountable for bad management. It's either Renteria putting together a terrible lineup or Rick Hahn letting Renteria take the fall for the upper management making the lineup for him. But this is ridiculous. You're not going to win anything. You will never win with this stubbornness and the inability to look at your players and understand that maybe an older guy isn't as good anymore, even though he's a leader in the clubhouse. Maybe your guy that won the batting title is still good wherever you put him, but that new rookie hits better in the one spot. We are not, we do not have an open enough mind for a quick 60 game season here. And I keep losing faith each and every day because against lefties, you're two and and against righties, you're, you're under 500. And until you make a change, you're a 500 to below 500 team. That's all you are. And it's not because you don't have the talent. It's because your manager is not using the team properly. It's really hard, Chris, to disagree with you right now. It really is. I'm with you. I'm here for it. You're, you know, you're fired up. Look, we have been saying this as long as last year. What is Ricky going to do when he actually gets a team in front of him? When it's actually time to get out of the mindset of, oh, you know, so we're we're rebuilding and we are now trying to actually win something. David, we sat around at the beginning of 2019. People can go back and find the show. I probably it probably aired in April because it was early on. We pointed out that Yohan Moncada was in the wrong spot in the lineup. We pointed out that when he batted second, he got more protection from the middle of the order and he was doing very, very well. And when they lowered him down, it was hurting their team. It was hurting Moncada's development as a player. It took them two months to figure it out. In two months, the season has run its entire course this year. You can't wait this long to figure these things out. If I can sit 
at my nine foot homemade oak bar on the People's Podcast for fans by fans. No support from any major entity. Now, I'm not. I'm not the corporate podcast. I don't have. I don't have money coming in from the White Sox or hand picking who's talking about me. I'm not carrying the company line. If I'm just a fan who could sit down and look this up and figure this out, if that's if that's all it takes, then why who's who's dishing out money to all these idiots who can't figure it out? Somebody's got to get in trouble for this. Somebody, I mean, look at the money you spent in the offseason. I mean, look, Jerry, I'm going to make a message to Jerry. I'm going to appeal to Jerry. I know he doesn't listen to the show because he doesn't like criticism, but I'm going to appeal to Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry, you spent a ridiculous amount of money in the offseason this year. And right now you have employees that are throwing that money down the toilet because they don't know what they're doing. You paid for free agents that are not being not being used the proper way. It's the equivalent of going out and buying the choicest piece of meat at the supermarket, the marble cut, and you bring it home and you let some idiot cook it for 45 minutes on a grill until it's a hockey puck. You should be pissed off you paid so much for that meat. We I don't remember when we talked about it, but it's worth bringing up again. There was a there was an article that came out and there was a list of all of the major league there was a list of all the teams in major league baseball and the amount of people that are on those teams payrolls who are there for one reason and one reason only and that's to study saber metrics and the teams that are most successful when you look they had a couple of dozen people at least on their payroll whose job it is to sit around and study metrics. Okay, and and the, the White Sox had two. You know, this is a problem. Deal with it. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.